0: You're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with Dave Rizowski. On location at Camp Magnet in Iroquois Springs, New York, home of the Magnet Theaters, well, Camp Magnet, today's guest is Ed Herbstman. He's interesting, electric, smart, courageous. Ed's an improviser, an improv teacher, and co-founder of New York's Magnet Theater. Something I mentioned about 90 times in the first sentence. Ed was a writer on HBO's Ali G Show. He works in radio and podcasts, and well, in the middle of all that he was doing, he became a cop for the New York Police Department. How about that? We talk about that and, well, how if you're thinking about having a baby, think first about getting a sailboat. This interview puts the ADD back into our podcast's title. I'll hear you on the other side.
1: On your lobs. Yeah. Right. Because I'm inside. Outside. Yeah, that's the worst thing. I just we realized started. I don't need uh, the rain cover for this Zoom recorder when we're not
0: right. When we're not outside. Because
1: <laughs> all my recordings had all the Velcro. Right, <laughs> okay,
0: that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Same thing. It took forever, Same thing. yeah. Where? I had
1: to take off my, my gloves because I'm not a gentle lady. Mm-hmm. I was wearing these.
0: What do you do, do it do? for? What are you doing it for? What, are you, what, what do I have one yeah.
1: for? Uh, I do a lot of radio stuff. Are mm-hmm. we recording now? Yeah, we're recording now. I love that, that whole, it's already started. Yeah, it's already I mean, there's started. There's no, okay. No. I, um, you know what, there's
0: nothing more boringer than to have to listen to, this. I don't even do that, I don't do the opening thing with the, hey, do you need a website, Katrina's website city is the place <laughs> that you need to go to. Katrina city.
1: Who would, <laughs> no one's going to name their city Katrina city.
0: You don't know that. After that,
1: that superstorm.
0: I That's think a, but I, I, you give it time. You yeah. give it time. We talk about names that that, uh, that are that aren't happening anymore. Yeah. And um, Katrina might be one, but it's only gonna be temporary. Temporary. Uh, Definitely. Superstorm
1: Sandy. Nobody's naming their kids Superstorm Sandy.
0: Superstorm is gone. I think Superstorm is gone. Yeah. I think Typhoon might still Typhoon be, Larry. but only in this country, where you it doesn't know, mean as much.
1: They don't name typhoons, do they?
0: Yeah, they do. Oh. Do they?
1: I don't know. That's something that I feel like, knowing me, I would know. But I don't know, so I just was filled with self-doubt. But the, well, how do they...
0: I think they must name them. Why so would
1: it, there could be like a Typhoon Gary.
0: But it wouldn't be... It's funny you shouldn't say the name Gary. Uh, typhoon... It, but it would be an Asian thing, because Typhoons are right. in a different place. So okay. it would be Typhoon Chin.
1: Okay. I, I'm not, not... not going to follow you down there. No,
0: no, 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 no. You know what? <laughs> Fuck this. This interview is over. I said it's over. Did you ever... Uh, Terry, Gross, Terry Gross... Typhoon uh, Terry Gross. <laughs> Terry Gross. They hey, sweetie. Start, they, they should start naming it after, after uh, people that we know. Hi.
1: It's, yeah. Superstorm Ira Glass. I think they're in the theater Okay. Go ahead. You can take my phone. Don't, don't use the data. You can use the Wi-Fi, but not the data.
0: Mm-hmm. What's data? Oh, He's your data.
1: Here, come here. Let me make here. the adjustment. Ladies and I... gentlemen, I'd like to introduce to you my daughter, B. B, Lean in towards my chest mm-hmm. and say hi.
0: But just gently. Hi. Oh, that was really good. That was really good. That sounded yeah. real.
1: She's a yeah. very genuine kid. She doesn't know yet that you can...
0: Uh, she's no, touching don't it?
1: Don't touch it, because <laughs> that, that's super loud for anybody listening.
0: I'm going to have to do some zhuzhing. Does
1: it... I wonder how many people who are listening to this right now have already met B.
0: I bet a, lot. I bet a lot. Yeah, I, bet I bet a lot.
1: At least a handful. And yeah. they love her. She yeah they do. such a… Oh yeah they do. Okay get out oh, of yeah, here now do. that I've embarrassed you. A She's right. a lovable person she whispered over her shoulder as she walked out. Go on this screen. Solved. Problem solved.
0: Right. I, uh, somebody said the, be, the best… Who said this? The best thing that ever happened was uh, iPads were invented? And so you give it to, to your child on the plane and go, there you go, just take it, just go. Oh yeah. Go. Just take
1: no, it. It's yeah. definitely… I do think we're paying a price, a massive price. Uh, but the reward is so great right now it's almost blinding. Like uh, as a New Yorker who travels to and from the city every day, I travel into Grand Central and then on over to Times Square and then down to Penn Station. In, so one, I, in, in, one, in one… That's my… That's yeah. My, that's my commute. Mm-hmm. So I basically uh, have every virus. Possible, right? I'm a carrier. I must be, and the amount of people I come into contact with is—it's uh, there's like algorithms to figure it out. But it's you know when they in the movies where the CDC they show on the screen the big red circle as it yeah. expands. Yeah. I'm in the center of that circle in mm-hmm. every movie.
0: Uh-huh. The, you're saying based upon you're, you're based
1: about, upon the amount of people I come in contact with during mm-hmm. my regular daily commute. Mm-hmm. So I say this only because over the last 15 years of living in New York City, I have seen the screens come in and I have seen what it has done to all of us. Uh-huh. Uh there what were, is that? Well, no one sees anyone else anymore. There's still, I mean not no one, but most people are, no matter their age, are on the screen. So on the Metro North, I come in from, the, the, from Hastings, down, everyone's on the screen, mm-hmm. the whole time, mm-hmm. and then you get out at grand central and everyone's on the screen Mm -hmm. or a selfie stick. I mean, it is right out of the, out of science fiction, but people walk like they're drunk or very, very old when they have the screen in front of them. and It's very frustrating to walk around them, Mm -hmm. especially if you're trying to make a train. But I'm, but I'm, I'm almost like, yeah, well, it's our new religion. It's our new God and we all worship it. And, and there's not much I can do about it, but I'm also part of it. I'm on a screen all don't the th- time. Don't you? Do you think
0: it's that much different than the days when uh, you, you, people were had newspapers, and you would get on the on the, pa- on the train, and the first thing and do everyone take a, you do is unfold, yeah, and they're right, all like, exactly. yeah, exactly, dun 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 dun. Yeah. and they would. Uh, and there's no different. I don't think there's any different than that. I don't think any it's any different. I don't think it's any different than that. So if you want to go, oh, what, what that's just fucked up, and everybody's on their phones all the time. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know what? When I was I can't tell you the amount of times that I was on the L going from downtown to the Morris L stop, and I would be reading a paperback, and I would see no one. I would see no one because I'd be so. Yeah. You would. Uh, you'd be like,
1: oh, i met Howard already. Exactly. What, where was I? I right. didn't even realize I left the house. Right. Yeah. So really. Isn't it more sinister to have the newspaper? Because they're all reading the same thing. Now right. Now everyone's on something else. Okay. Something different. All so right. That was the dark. The those are lining. the dark days. Yeah. yeah. Those are the dark days. We recovered from a possible terrible depths. Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. being completely programmed by one media company. Now right. there are three. <laughs> we're much better for it.
0: That's the thing that fucking bugs me. Is the, uh, that, one of the things that, one of the things. Because there's a bunch. Because everything. Um and that's the, the conglomeration of the of the, con, the, the, the uh, concentration of the media uh, into like three different media companies mm-hmm. because when i was growing up there was the sun times the tribune the daily news and chicago today mm-hmm. um, and now there's the shitty paper called the sun times there's the tribune but the Tribune. And the LA Times used to be different, now they're the same fucking paper, mm. as far as I that's know, weird. owned by the same people. Mm-hmm. So really, where are we getting our news? And that's why I'm so intrigued by the internet, because there are different news sources. Mm-hmm. The blogs that are being written that, 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 I, that I read, um, and those blogs are being written by people who are doing independent studies of, or independent research into right. other things. So I, I think right now is pretty awesome. To, is a really really awesome time, and also the fact of how much information we can get. Yeah. How I'm going to New Zealand, and I will still be able to be in touch with my girlfriend. By you,
1: they have a phone on a steamership.
0: Um, I'm taking a punk steamership.
1: Uh huh. Like a, a steampunker steam ship. Steampunker ship. Oh, so it's like you're gonna be have a brass monocle. And yeah. Yeah, that that like extends way too far. Yeah, a telescope
0: cane. Yeah, that's also um, yeah a cane.
1: Yeah, a cop, copper boots. Copper For boots. For no reason, they're just copper boots. <laughs> it's the worst, the most unco- blood filled with blood. they're buckets of blood, basically. <laughs> they're
0: essentially. But there's like a little yeah.
1: monkey that is polishing it the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And he oh, has he a, is monocle. a monocle too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sure. Yeah, and he's wearing moment. copper boots as well. Oh yeah. Sure. Well, I've been to New Zealand. I've lived exactly what you're saying. I know this. Experience. Have you been to New Zealand? No, I've been to Australia. I taught improv. Or no, no, that was Beijing. I taught improv in Beijing. I went to Australia for a public radio thing.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. What was that?
1: Uh, I do a did a podcast called The Truth, and it was storytelling, oh, yeah. st- like movies for your ears. Uh, I've been involved in a lot of radio stuff.
0: So that was, but that was, you were a producer on that? We
1: went, uh, the the producer, no, actually, the producer Jonathan Mitchell and I went to Australia to a conference with the Australian public radio institutions, there's two, and they were going through, you know, the the death throes slash growing pains of trying to figure out how to deliver great stories uh, without massively, Uh, bloated budgets Mm -hmm. and the 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 problem is that they're a good country that invests taxpayer dollars into their public radio system but when that happens you end up with bloated bureaucracies and then they bureaucracies get a mandate to do the cutbacks and then they have to start looking around and saying how can we do this for cheap oh look in America they do it for cheap but what they don't realize is that we're basically unpaid right Right, it's right. not sustainable. We're all trying to like do this thing to get it off the ground to get commercial funding, because there is no public, fund. So in fact, after we left, that this was three years ago, four years ago, I don't know. I don't. After one year, everything is three or four years ago. Right. For me, uh, we read and uh, he Jonathan Ford me a newspaper article of cutbacks at Radio National, which is the Australian broadcast. Uh, the uh, president of Radio National citing podcasts like The Truth for their um, low budget but high quality, such and such, and the cut layoffs of all, like not all, but several of the people that we did this workshop with. Um, this week-long sort of production. Here's our production model. It's basically try really, really hard and, and break yourself into a million pieces in order to get this story done. And um, and, it, and it's totally unsustainable, but here's how we do it. Right It requires really unique talents, and there's no actual like production pipeline it's all based on individual skills right here,
0: use this, so you know it was supposed to be it, it, that was a really great uh the, the truth was really great.
1: it still goes on it's yeah still going on. in fact, B was just your daughter, who everyone just met beatrice mm-hmm. was just in one she was was starring in one really she's really good she's really good mm-hmm. and my son's been in a lot of them mm-hmm. sure. And I've been in, a, in a, more than a handful, and it's uh, done a lot of radio stuff. The thing about
0: I don't listen to I, I don't listen to radio per se, per se anymore. So when you say radio stuff, you don't mean radio stuff. Uh, public radio, public radio stuff. So there's which a also podcast. is fractured into podcasts. Yeah. yeah, I do listen to public radio mm-hmm. live. Radio. I don't know. Do. I, I, I'm always shocked when I hear people listening to commercial radio. I just don't understand why they're doing that. Yeah. It I feel
1: feels, like... It feels like like I'm in a foreign country when I hear America's commercial radio.
0: Or I, I don't... We uh, uh, Laura and I watched Mad Men on TV. Uh, TV. on TV commercials? With the commercials. I'm yeah. like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> fucking commercials? <laughs> what the fuck are yeah. commercials? <laughs> and you get really ups- I get really upset about it. And uh, I don't... You know, but I think in the long run that's hurting us too because it's hurting you and I who, are doing, who do, do commercials and less and less people are watching those. So what does that mean for commercial production? And the trickle down is they're probably making less commercials and, or they're making the same amount of commercials and people are being paid less, which drives me crazy. But to be honest with you, I don't audition anymore. No? Nope. No. I audition no more. I don't audition to it anymore.
1: Your offer only.
0: I am oh that's really good yeah, i like that i'm offer only you're offer only i am offer only uh but i've been traveling so much that i feel like i don't even have the fucking time
1: i audition for commercials
0: but you're not traveling no
1: no i don't say that in relation to you not auditioning them because you travel uh-huh. i'm saying it in response to you don't audition for them anymore and so the dwindling Uh, Returns of being a commercial actor don't affect you so much because you're kind of out of it, And I reply with I do (laughs) And I am affected by it as well,
0: right? Yeah Uh, You had a really good year a couple years ago though. I mean I saw you everywhere I
1: had a few years in a row that convinced me that it would never end, but it's It's amazing how it comes and goes
0: I remember when I first came out to LA I got like seven commercials in a three-month period national spots and you start figuring it out, thinking, yeah. okay, seven commercials, let's say I don't get one every week. Let's say I don't get two every week.
1: Even if that's cut in half, I'm, I'm golden for years. Exactly. Even if I just do four a year, which is ridiculous because I'm doing seven. <laughs> four. You know who does four? Assholes.
0: Right, exactly. You know who does four now? Successful people. Yes. You know who do.
1: does two a year? Yeah. thought leaders and, and massively popular commercial actors exactly. you know what's it's it's not a pleasant that's not the pleasant side of it
0: what the auditioning or the not auditioning
1: working? and the not working right. are not pleasant right and I understand why why people say that whole like if you could do anything else don't do it, don't be an actor, all that stuff. I understand that. And, and there was a time when I used to tell people that, who asked advice. And I teach uh, improv for this great program that Syracuse University does called the Tepper Semester. They take all their senior year last semester acting students, bring them to New York. They live in New York for the entire semester and get all this professional training, with see every Broadway show. It's really incredible. And and I've taught it for four years, and, and I was and, and I, sometimes I hinted at the whole. If you can do anything else, this business is brutal. But I don't say that anymore because I also believe if you could do, if you, yeah, everyone can do something else. You could do, I could do something else, but I don't want to. I don't. I mean. But really, Ed, could you do
0: something else? I don't well, think I tried. you could. Right, you I did. did try, I and tried. you fucking went the entire different direction, <laughs> being did. a policeman for three years in New York City. Yeah, and yeah. and that for me, when I look at that, I go, what the fuck? When I, I, think I heard a that, a lot you're of gonna...
1: people said that. Yeah, but some people said it to my face.
0: Oh, that's fine. It doesn't, and some you know...
1: people, right? It wasn't. A, I see it to my face, but some people were like, what the? F- no, don't. That's dumb. That's you're not really gonna. And did you really? But you really
0: thought that that was going to be a lifelong career.
1: I wasn't sure. Uh-huh. I didn't know. But you were know. sure enough to I be also, able to… I didn't know a thing about it other than what I saw from TV and heard from other people who had done it.
0: Mm-hmm. Had who was to... the one that convinced you be a cop? That you went, you know what, Jerry's a cop.
1: I didn't have a Jerry. Uh, but I did a ride along with Peter Moskos when he was with the Baltimore Police Department, and he is Andrew Moskos' his brother,
0: Andrew of the uh, uh, Boom Boo Chicago, Chicago, and right? also
1: son of Charles Moskos, who was a sociology professor at Northwestern. Northwestern right? Don't ask, and don't tell. He came up with the don't ask, don't tell. He came up with that policy, or, right? or, or, or at least named it. Um, he mm-hmm. came up with a lot of other things. And um, passed
0: away two or three years ago.
1: Maybe a little longer than that, but yeah. yeah
0: pretty. That, that's a pretty fucking smart ass family a great family.
1: I went to dinner with them once back right before uh, John Roosevelt and Andrew went off to Boom Chicago. And, oh my God. And, uh, a long time ago. Uh, yeah. And I went, went and I don't think I even knew Peter then but uh, went to dinner and it had a Greek restaurant and they're Greek and like right. they're Greek like speak Greek sort of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like and uh, I was just like this, Greeks are better than Jews. This is so much fun. Oh my God. The drinking and the partying and the family just being full of joy and loving each other. Did you,
0: when you, when you grew up, did you drink a lot? I mean, no. did your family drink no. a lot? My family no. never fucking ever. Never. If it was a birthday party, no booze. Okay, so but booze wasn't even a word that I knew. Oh, for me, it was like, you smell like booze. So it was a derogatory oh. word. And yeah. it's like, yeah, you know? Or my dad it's, would say things like it's this. basically
1: saying you smell like the goyim. Right, <laughs> exactly, that saying, yeah.
0: exactly, exactly. It's like, oh, where'd you pick her up? It's some gin joint? I'm like, gin, gin joint? Wow. My, that's my dad's speak. Was beat.
1: your mom a flapper?
0: Um, she might have been a flapper okay. in her old days. A flapper. Yeah, but you went out with, so you're saying Wait, you did. Wait, well let me
1: just say this one thing about my family not drinking. My dad, uh, when my parents got divorced, my dad, I was 11 I think, my dad uh, got an apartment nearby in Schaumburg, Mm -hmm. and he bought a four-pack of Michelob Dark, Um, and he lived there for like nine years, and when, I think when he moved out, there were three left.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My grandfather, my dad's, my dad's dad, my Zadie, um, every year my mom would buy him a six-pack, for his birthday, of Michelob and what, what he is would do. Okay, he would, he would it's do, the most Jewish beer. Buy the Jewish beer.
1: Buy the Jewish beer, it's from Michael Loeb.
0: <laughs> right, so my dad, my mom would get Michelob from my grandfather, from my Zadie, and he would have it in the fridge, and he would use one of those stoppers that had the rubber thing at uh-huh. the end that you'd push, and it was in like. In
1: order to keep the air. In, in order to keep the air, and he would pour wines.
0: himself, like maybe once a month.
1: A tiny little smid, a, th- a finger uh, No, a, thumb. a
0: shot glass of Michelob. Beer.
1: Oh God, wow. Uh. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Okay. so the one beer my dad did drink, I remember it being half full for a while and he would sometimes take it out and smell it take a sip and and like swish it around, not in his mouth, but in the bottle, like spin the bottle around a little, look at it, see how much is left and put it back in. And it's like, this is not a drinking family. No,
0: (laughs) my My wife
1: drinks a glass of wine with dinner every night. uh And Ah. so so that's very foreign to me. Mm -mm. That's very foreign to me. And I, I, I only judge it a little bit. But I, I don't really
0: judge uh, No, when I was over at your house for dinner, when I stayed over at your house in the in uh, in the cha- in the dark chamber downstairs <clears throat> your son's room, um, I remember coming up and you guys having wine for dinner. I was like, this is the way to go. This is the way yeah, to go. Yeah. This is the way to go. So you're talking about… Um, uh, We've moved
1: uh, from that location since. We, yes, you have. We have a have
0: house now. With, a du- with another dungeon. Yes. Yeah.
1: But it's a real dungeon. Like We trekked it out.
0: Oh, fuck. Yes. Oh, fuck. There's so like, you chipped it out. Yeah, chipped it out but of the, also oh, like,
1: made it like old-timey medieval dungeon. There's chains on the wall with like a skeleton still with a beard.
0: Still, it's skeleton So you, so and you, you went to the Disney of School of Dungeons.
1: Yes, it's very Pirates of yeah. the Caribbean Dungeon.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you're talking about a ride-along with, uh, with oh, the yeah. Moscow Oh, yeah, and Cinderella. so he was in
1: grad school at Harvard getting a PhD or a master's in sociology or something. He's now an instructor, or instructor. He's now a professor at John Jay College. Uh, but he did two years in the police department in Baltimore to study it. So, detective or? No, you don't start a detective. Oh, he, oh, he yeah. just started. I he see. just became I see. a cop. Uh-huh. He, was a mid, he worked midnights. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when I got assigned my uh, post, it was midnights as well. And they're miserable. You don't want to work midnights. I don't want to work midnights. You have to be built differently to, ha- to handle it. But
0: some guys really like that midnight. Some guys
1: love it. Some guys had two jobs.
0: What do you mean two jobs? They'd
1: work midnights and then they'd work another job during the day. Yeah, as a tailor. <laughs> yes, an old, old, old man tailor. So they would come, yes. and they would dress
0: up, in, yeah, in, in, in with, the, a, with yeah. the with the with uh, the the tape around their neck uh-huh. and the white shirt and the rolled up sleeves, yes, and the vest. And with the c- white. With they're the, always
1: like, so when they're a cop, they're like, "Don't move," and when they're a tailor, they're like, "Don't move."
0: Because <laughs> they got a Jewish accent. Because
1: they're really, because they're a tailor. Yeah, they're a Jewish tailor during the day and right. just an uh, Italian or Irish cop during.
0: My friend Al Rose, uh, he would come out to, he lives in Chicago, and he'd come I out to. I love that uh, beer. Um, Al Rose. Al Rose. Al Rose. It's, you're it's obviously a not drinking because it's not a beer. beer. It's not a, yeah, it's, a it's cider. not a beer. It's not a beer. It's, yeah, it's it's a mix. It's <laughs> so like vermouth. Um, uh, so Al Rose came out to LA uh, to do a gig, and uh, he did a gig, and I, I said to him, um, so. So where are you staying? And he's staying at this person's house. And he said uh, he was playing a gig at Genghis you Khan. Know okay. That? Yeah. So he's a music- he's a folk musician, plays guitar. Kosher Chinese restaurant. Exactly, something like that. So uh, he goes to. So I say, what are you, what are you doing tomorrow? He goes, I got to I got to I got uh, to take. Uh, I have to I have to go to this place and get and pick up uh, my friend's Taylor. And I went, what do you mean? And he said, I got to pick up my friend's tailor. I said. What do you mean? You gotta pick up your friend's tailor? He said, "I'm staying with this guy. I need a tailor, and I'm picking up my friend's tailor. I don't bring my tailor here." I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And he goes, "What the fuck are you talking about?"
1: Well, you guys were really like angry. Well,
0: quick. but this is—we'd been through this before, okay. where it's like, "What are you talking about? What are you talking about?" And uh, uh, and and I went, "Why would you bring a tailor?" Because. Why would you bring a tailor to L.A.? He goes, I don't have a tailor. And he went, what do you need a fucking tailor for? And he said, I'm doing a gig. I'm like, you're doing a gig? What do you mean you need a tailor to do a gig? He goes, how am I going to do a gig without a tailor? And I'm saying, what the fuck are you talking about? And he, and he, he said, my guitar, the tailor. What other word is there for tailor? <laughs>
1: and <laughs> oh, i'm going taylor like a taylor like oh. a
0: guy who 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 does uh,
1: my friend's taylor my That's, friend's taylor because a taylor's a you guitar you know what musicians are really pretentious oh
0: fuck that guy
1: i don't like him and i i wouldn't and probably not his friend like so this is actually something that could be avoided this this whole misunderstanding could be avoided if he would just have a little bit of Understanding of the point of view of the person listening to him, and not just speaking from the point of view of the speaker. This is something that I I have been um, concerned with uh, a lot lately.
0: Well, as a, as an improv teacher, you probably you know you, I think you're talking about empathy,
1: but it's not emotional.
0: Oh, it's, it's factual empathy.
1: Understanding. Mm-hmm. So yes, as a teacher, you need to speak in a way that can be understood by the person who's hearing you not by just anybody so you might have a way of teaching or a way of saying a phrase or something mm-hmm. but then you just learn and discover and are constantly listening to the feedback you're getting from who your student and then you kind of have to say and, and tailor it in a way that they understand mm-hmm. I think that that is that is the difference between a good and excellent in nearly every field writers
0: I'm not understanding what you're talking about.
1: Of course not. Because I'm saying it for someone else. Uh. Okay, here's what I'm saying. So here's what I've, here's what, here, here, here's what I've learned, is that the, the thing that I wasn't doing for a long time when I was writing or when I was improvising, I, was, I don't know if it's really connected to improv so much as writing, is reading it back from the perspective of the reader got it. rather than reading it from the perspective of whether or not I think it's good or if it's for me.
0: So I get it, I get it, I get it. So it's you um, asking yourself what, so you write it, you, you write it, you write it. You, you, it's your voice and, voice and you write it and you're getting this thing out for you and then when you read it back, you're reading it back. You've got to put on different ears. Yeah. You've got to put on the ears or the eyes or the, the whatever you want to right. call it. You've got to put on the ears or the eyes of the person listening to yes. it and say, well, "Do I know what the fuck I'm talking? Do I yes. know what I'm what this guy's talking about, or do right. I know what, what I'm talking about?" Right?
1: Yeah. Does this make sense from the person who didn't write it? Right. From just the reader. Right. Not the writer.
0: I think that a lot of people don't want to write because they feel that there's why would anybody want to listen to what it is that I have to say. Uh, instead of it was a, kind of what we're talking about but it's that that feeling of if I explain this to somebody would that be interesting or if I explain this to somebody would somebody understand that uh, as opposed to just fucking put it down and see what happens yeah so this is the editing process really what you're saying
1: yes yeah it uh, is it is the second draft process right
0: which people tell me is the scariest process but not so, it's, it's it's also is, the most fun
1: it, isn't it, it? Is. I, I don't know about fun. I, I don't this know is what I love fun doing. Anymore.
0: You give me what it is that you want me to read. You write it, you give it to me, and then I'm going to go through it and see if it fucking makes sense. That's what I love doing. That's what I love fucking doing. Yeah. Is I love being the head writer and not doing the writing.
1: Yeah. Or the, the second pair of eyes on something. Right. To not create it in the first place. To skip the first draft, let me deal with your second draft.
0: Right. I will be, I want, I don't want children, but I want grandchildren.
1: I understand that. Mm-hmm. Do you really not want children?
0: I really don't want children. It's how would I? How would that? If I have to think about how would that fit in, then I don't. I shouldn't have children. You know what I mean? If I go, how does this fit in? How would I have a, How would I fit a child into my life? It's hard. Well, but you and and Melanie, you you didn't you didn't say how do we fit it in. You said we're going to have children. Did we? I don't know. You're right. I don't know I think know children
1: happened to us, but uh, we're so... I don't know. I have no answer. I have, know that I love my wife and my kids more than anything. Mm-hmm. More than I love my... Uh, more more than I love anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not even there. like there's a close second. Right. There's my wife and kids, and then there's the rest of the world in one bucket. Right. And maybe I could rank things that way but it's not even in the sa- in the same bucket it's um but i don't know that i ever s- sought to have kids because without having them you don't know what it's like to have them but all. if you,
0: but this it's the same thing about a sailboat true now
1: that is something i do not want to have i don't know how i'd fit it in my life
0: that's what i'm saying i For don't me, know and if, if, you if, don't, my... if you don't
1: if you don't. If you're asking that question, then you shouldn't have a sailboat.
0: That's, it's the same. I think yes. a lot of people go, okay. Let's say you want to have a child, but let's let's just say you're wondering if you should have a child or not. Let's substitute sailboat for child. Yes. If you're if you had sex with your wife and the rubber broke, and or your girlfriend and the rubber broke, and you knew that she was going to have a the sailboat. Rubber. I like it. Yeah, Vinny. Yeah, exactly. And the condom broke. Let's break that. into song.
1: <laughs> It's 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 grease too. We're in, exactly
0: exactly. <laughs> exactly. Don't people say rubbers anymore? Mm-mm. Well, you're,
1: everyone exclusively says condom.
0: Exclusively, no one
1: says rubber, or any other term for condom other than condom now.
0: <laughs> I see. They don't say raincoat.
1: Not in America. That's a New see. Zealand thing.
0: Got it. Got it. I gotta I gotta figure that out. Even though I won't be using any raincoats in New Zealand, um, the. But again, going back to... And a
1: sailboat grew in her belly.
0: Right, right, exactly. And it came
1: out and you had to, like, buy it.
0: And you had to... It came, exactly. You had to buy it and you, when it came out. Exactly. So for you to go, okay, all right, do you want now a sailboat? this is in my life. Now this is in your life. I don't know and that it, I
1: would... I'm either... I can't... What do I know about being an owner of a sailboat? Exactly. Look at me. I'm exactly. barely on land as it is. Right,
0: right. I can't have a sailboat. Who the uh, fuck am I to have a sailboat? And oh all your God. friends are going, really? Yeah. Really, Ed? You and Melanie are going to have a sailboat. Listen, listen, do you
1: really want to grow old and never have had a sailboat? What happens when you're really old and you just want to sail?
0: Exactly.
1: You'll drown because no sailboat will be there to hold Mm -hmm. you above the water. Yep.
0: And here's the thing about having a sailboat. If you have one sailboat, it's not that hard to get a second sailboat. You know know what they
1: say? They say that, and it's true. It just happens. Suddenly you have two sailboats. But two sailboats is like five times harder than owning one sailboat. Uh, do you do people have two sailboats yes do we hear that creaking of your chair
0: yeah that's why they think i'm on sailboat (laughs) (laughs) we're coming to you from sperm of the north dave's new sailboat um this is what i think the best sailboat name would be or a boat in general the c word Ooh, that's clever it's a good, yeah. it's a fuck, it works on so many levels. The C word. The C word. Yeah. yeah. Because it's the C word, it's also C word, and it's a C word.
1: Boat names are like not entertaining enough <laughs> to sustain the, the, like, to, so they're supposed to be kind of like clever and entertaining. Right. I'm always disappointed by boat names. Yeah. The boat goes by and it's like, oh, Pharaoh 19. Great. That's great. They're like bad vanity license plates. Right. But it's like you take the time to figure out the license plate. And it's like, oh really, Daddy's girl. My,
0: <laughs> my dad had a vanity plate that he's an electrician, and the vanity plate was I L Y T U two. I light you too. And my mom, my mom and dad are divorced. My mom saw the license plate and she, honest to God, asked this: Why does your dad's license plate say I lie to you too? <laughs> And then she was like, he is such a C-word. I lie I, to you too. I lie to you too. It's like, why'd you dad have a lesson says, I lie to you oh. too. But you're right about the, the boat names. And it's like, who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck about the boat names? Yeah.
1: It uh, should be called boat number seven thousand three hundred and
0: four. But people do say, do you remember when we had Pharaoh nineteen? You know, oh. and then we got we had a fire so on Pharaoh was, nineteen. She was beautiful. She was beautiful. Now there's another thing. Boats yeah. are women. And are you willing to have like, is your wife, when your wife has a sailboat, yes, are you going to have anything to do with it if it's a if it's a yeah if it's a girl sailboat are you going yeah. what are you going to do with that no
1: and you have a son sailboat you still have to call him she right because that's how it works right because there's a long tradition. My I, dad had
0: my dad had a, my dad had a number of sailboats uh, not not sailboats he had boats he had like five or six at least five or six boats and he would. they would go up to Racine and sit on the fucking boat and drink not even drink cuz no, they don't drink cuz they don't drink they fucking don't drink what is Do you port- drink?
1: No. I don't. I don't and I wish I did. I think it'd be much more lovely.
0: Why? So you just don't like drinking. You don't like the taste of drinking. I
1: don't drink. like the taste of it. I don't like how I feel. I'm sorry, but here's the truth. I got really drunk on tequila maybe oh god, maybe 10 years ago. Uh, That's short a time ago and uh, yeah, and and so like I was casual drinker, but not Mm. you know (sighs) Threw up the next morning and while I was throwing up. I made a promise I promise if please if I just feel a little better. I will never do this again and I've been I've stuck to the promise because it scared me so much
0: if there's one thing I hate it's throwing up There's two things. I hate right throwing up. That's Mm. number one. Yeah, and number two sticky things
1: oh okay all sticky things
0: sticky things like you go you shake someone's hand Mm -hmm. and it's sticky oh i don't know how often you know what i don't
1: like about sticky things is when i have my arm on a table and then there's like the sticky stuff on the bottom of my forearm and it's like clearly it's maple syrup or some sort of something an oatmeal type thing that's when i don't like sticky things
0: um, hell for me is sticky. Everything, like hell is mm-hmm, sticky. It's yeah. not fire, it's just sticky. Right. Everything you touch something, it's sticky. You get sticky on your hands. No sticky yeah. for me. No, none, none. But I'd, it's interesting to me that you go, I will never ever do that again, whereas just one instance that you did and you're holding onto to that promise. Well, good for you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah.
1: I also have acid reflux and the alcohol makes that activated. Okay, and that well, sucks.
0: That's, that's a different yeah. story.
1: Um, I just don't I don't know I don't
0: you're not you're not interested in it I am
1: not. I wish I was but I'm not
0: why do you wish you were
1: because I it's just so much more socially fun if you have a few beers with everybody like going out for beers to me I'm like oh that doesn't include me great (laughs) I'll go out with you guys but I just want it to be known I'm not stop ordering me beers Uh, if I have one I'm going to shortly be like complaining about my acid reflux and then shortly after that I will be sleeping.
0: How did you find out that you had acid reflux? Like, how did you, did you, you, you were, you were uh, diagnosed with acid reflux?
1: Well, I had it for a long time and finally went to a doctor and asked him about it. And he said, it's acid reflux. He tested me for H. pylori, which is a bacteria that can cause it. Which I also,
0: Um, I loved him in all those Humphrey Bogart movies. Oh, yeah. He's
1: like, you know what? You remind me a little bit of H. pylori, a little bit. You could do that whole could like, do that. hey, Bill, come over and give me the, give me the remedy. I'm going to slowly crawl up your your esophageal sphincter and cause you distress. Um, he was great, very underused, bacteria. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is Van Heflin and H. pylori. Uh, <laughs> uh it it hurts and it sucks yeah and so i try to avoid things that do you,
0: do you take it. a do you take a medicine are you read yes, medicine prilosec. On a, prilosec every day yeah oh don't
1: do it ed you're not supposed to do it the box says don't do it for more than 14 days
0: but you do it every day but
1: i've done it for several years every day and when i forget i'm like oh good i don't need it it's been two days and then i and then it happens again and i need it right i take the generic though cuz it's cheaper.
0: That idea of it's oh, called o-
1: Omi Who? Omi Praiseley.
0: O-me- that's again it sounds like somebody an actor's name. Yeah. Omi
1: Omi Praise.
0: Omi Praiseley. Yeah. I can't yeah.
1: pronounce it properly. <laughs> I can't so. pronounce it properly. I think it's Omi Oma
0: you might as well, You're gonna to start to melt.
1: <laughs>
0: that idea of oh, good, um, I don't need it anymore. It went away. Yeah, that's just not that's true. That's so
1: dumb. <laughs> I'm dumb.
0: But it's not just that. But if you, if, when one is on, I would imagine when one is on some psychotropic medicine or something like that to help them with their, like so they don't kill somebody and they don't they forget it for a day. Well, that's
1: like, why they always. That's compliance with the schizophrenics is like, oh. Cured. I'm good.
0: Yeah, I'm good. good. I don't need to do... It it's, went away. Yeah. It God. went away.
1: I do take the Prilosec. It just sounded really old. I do take the Prilosec. The Prilosec. I try to avoid mm-hmm. spicy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I try to not take any pills. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a business meeting the other day, and the guy was like, hey, do you want some Adderall? I just got some, some more Adderall. What? And I was like, "Oh, God now I have to think about this. Like, why do I, now I have to think about it. Cause yeah, it did, I was like, huh, I would try an Adderall. What if I tried a little Adderall? What would that, cause that's like basically speed, right? It's like focus, hi- hyper a- attention deficit disorder focus. Adderall, right? It's a so studio? he said, a, what kind of meeting
0: is was, this? Well,
1: this is a reality TV producer. Okay,
0: okay, okay. So it wasn't like a meeting, like, when you, you said business meeting, I'm thinking, you go to Manhattan, you go into the store, and you're gonna, yes. like sit around the coffee t- table, and like, hey, listen.
1: Yes. You, have you to. look
0: like. We'd like to propose
1: to you a new software as a service. No, it wasn't a business. It was, yeah, it was a kind of pitch meeting, kind of, do you want to do some but something.
0: But at that moment that that happens, I think to myself, this is, this is not an isolated incident. Like, people all over are offering people Adderall. Aren't they? I think so. Yeah, cool people. Cool I people. I think
1: Adderall is a party drug, but it wasn't like a party drug like ketamine or something that is like... You're just
0: making up words right now.
1: No, that's a real word. Special K, baby. Horse tranquilizer, I think. It's a... Uh, no, did I sound really authoritative? You sounded like that cop that yeah. you were for three years. Yeah. Because I instantly the baby worked on under, undercover part. narcotics. Yeah, they shave your head. They give you a lollipop. You call people baby. And uh, you drive around in an excellent car. But it's all filmed. No video. It's so good. Vintage stuff. I loved it. Um, so, Special K. It's... I don't know. I've never done it. I've never done any of these drugs. I... Knowing me, I should have done these drugs again I'm disappointed in myself uh uh-huh. never done ecstasy
0: I I did it in Amsterdam oh, I did ecstasy okay. in Amsterdam Great. and the last time I did ecstasy it's a it's a horrible awesome story Katie came out uh, to my my uh, my ex-wife now uh, came out to see the opening of the show she came up from LA to, to Amsterdam and we we're doing ecstasy and it was at this club and Oh my god! This story uh, at this club, and um, and it was it was a uh, it was a dance club, and they were they had a, a woman playing sax with a DJ, and it was fucking awesome. And we and I and wow, Katie did I a, really
1: was sure you were gonna say awful halfway through the, your. Word oh my awesome. god!
0: It was it. Well, it was. Oh, cause you were on. Ecstasy, but it was also rich. Re- she, yeah. this woman, was fucking great. Yeah, it was great, and the music at this club—I've been to this club before—was really, really great. And I have live music with DJ, which is also live in a way. But anyway, um, Katie does a little bit. I do more. The ecstasy is great, and then I see this blur go by me, and then I hear, and then I see a blur. I see a blur go by me. I hear someone scream. The music goes off. The lights go on, and I'm watching. I see a. Guy that is a um, he works he worked at Boom Chicago and he was a doorman or security guy and he rushes up to a guy and puts a a handkerchief over his eye. Well, this is what happened. Ugh, the God. guy oh, that grossed out. it's grossed out. Should Ugh. I tell you the rest? Are you ready? Somebody
1: you flung this. something accidentally. This is what happened. No, Ill. it wasn't oh. at all. A whole eyeball it was came worse. Out.
0: That was it. A
1: whole eyeball came out.
0: It, what had happened so this was why I don't do this work. guy <laughs> this guy took a knife on this other guy, so. Hans took a knife on Jorg. Hans pulled Hans the Wilson. knife on Hans pulled the knife on Jorg. Jorg grabbed the knife from Hans. No. slashed uh, slashed Jorg Jorg across the face, broke his ocular holding area. Yeah, your orbital socket. Exactly. dropped the knife, ran out. Yeah, that was the blur. And that was the blur mm-hmm. running out. And this guy. The 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 doorman Quick was thinking. holding his eye, holding his him. eye in his like with that. Yeah, you know. his
1: eye shoved his eye back in the ball. Yeah,
0: it. yeah. And Danny Shear who was uh, she was pre med and she was an actress at um, at Boom Chicago. She was over there, the, and that was the last time I did ecstasy. And the interesting thing about that, or many interesting things about that, um, uh, was not the interesting thing, but the guy whose eye was. He did not want medical treatment and he ended up walking out with that. So I can imagine mm. what that...
1: Alcohol. Because he was on alcohol and didn't feel a thing.
0: He was on alcohol. Wow. And you are like the prilosec. <laughs> <laughs> I just said he was on
1: alcohol. This guy he was all on alcohol and caffeine. All right.
0: What are you on that now? Exactly. Are you on tequila? What are you okay. on? You on the booze? Did you go to a gin joint? I I want. But well, You must have seen that kind of shit when you're... Did you you see that stuff? I've seen some terrible
1: things and some less terrible things when I was a policeman. I helped a woman give birth on the street in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. Um, She did most of the work. I just told the father of the child to adjust the baby so his face wasn't down in the pile of rags, so it was face up. And then the baby started breathing. So I kind of credit myself with saving that baby's life. But it was just common sense. <laughs> it was. It okay, was. So Which this is guy, like most this most medical was like, schools done. It was like first child. The mom was walking outside. We, we pulled up. The mom was already kind of on her back. They couldn't make it to his pickup truck. Where was this? This was in Brooklyn and, uh-huh. uh, on Albemarle Road. Uh-huh. Um, and so. Uh, Which is a
0: cigarette I used to smoke, by the yeah, way. Yeah.
1: D- delicious. To yeah. the last puff uh in fact they 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 uh we always joked about baby albemarle after this because it was a fun story but pull she had pulled her underwear to the side She was wearing a like house coat pulled her underwear to the side the baby came out on a pile of rags and the dad was freaking out and he was freaking out to the point that he was like very unhelpful and he was kind of getting in our way and there was no ambulance and we were waiting and waiting for an ambulance and i'm looking at the baby and it's still connected by the cord and the mom is heavy breathing and she was a very big woman and and so I said, just take the baby and, you know what you could do, take the baby and turn, just pick the baby up and turn her, because I didn't want to touch the baby, especially if there's a problem with the baby, that's now my problem.
0: Um, and they but, told you that? They said, they said, in your training, don't touch the baby, don't? What? They didn't say specifically don't touch the baby, but if, <laughs> yeah, it's the, you know the cops saying don't touch
1: the baby because if it's dead, it's your problem. There's an acronym for it, it's a di- dibblesmack. Uh, to, uh, don't, to, don't don't touch detail, the baby. Deter, yeah, it's called deteriorate. It's the acronym is deteriorating community relations, and each letter stands for something, and that basically says don't touch the baby because if it's a, it's like an injury. You don't if you're not trained, don't start Got doing it. it. Now Got if somebody it. was bleeding out, yeah, you know at least to apply pressure to the wound, right? Or to cover well, you, it. And are you,
0: you have rubber gloves in order to oh, do.
1: I didn't. I should have had them, but mm. I think I had used them recently and not replenished my supply uh-huh. or whatever. But it wasn't that hard. Take the baby and turn it so, got it, got it, got so it, the got baby set right. his face up. I right. uh, was no hero that night. I'm just saying that I did participate in something that ended good instead of bad or good or well instead of badly. Right. Uh, So uh, he's freaking out and I told him, I'm like, you know what, go get her a pillow. She's laying on the sidewalk. She doesn't want to go get her a pillow. And he freaked out and he walked over to his truck and didn't have his keys, so he broke the window to the front of his truck, unlocked the front door, and then just starts rocking the seat of the truck back and forth, back and forth until it pops out. The front driver's seat Kaboosh, springs are popping and there's foam everywhere it was an old truck the kind that you could do this to if you, and then he brings it over and like puts it under her head and looks at me he's like what can I do next and I was like you know what um you know what you should do you just kneel beside her and hold her hand tell her she did a great job and so he did that and, and I, was like, I was like you know what tonight tonight cops ain't so bad <laughs> But he ripped his seat out of it. So you know what? People go nuts. People go crazy. And yeah. They make terrible decisions and make mistakes. And this was an actual positive one instead of how a negative it, one. But how did how, was, how
0: did how did it, how did any of this? How has any of this? Because I'm sure it has. How has any of this helped helped you? Like, what did your experience as a cop? How did that help you now? What is it that you realize now? Because you saw some shit, and and you know, the cops leave with PTSD and stuff like that. So, how did any of this help you? How has any of this helped you? I don't
1: know that it has. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good assumption to make, that it would. Um, because I think you're a good person.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: and I think the, maybe I'd rephrase the question of like, um, has any of that experience, how has it changed you, rather than right. helped you? Um, okay,
0: okay, okay. Uh,
1: <clears throat> probably, there's a lot of answers to it. But I don't know that it is, I would say the most basic thing is it changed my perspective completely about um, basic, uh, (laughs) basic infrastructure of modern society. Like uh, there are rules we tell each other and there are systems we have in place to protect each other but a lot of it is smoke and mirrors and a lot of it do, is, is not real. It's an artifice we all choose to agree to believe in in order to accomplish something greater, which is what we accomplish every day in society. Like, there's not gonna be a fight because the cops will come, okay? But um, that's pretty basic. There's, 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 a fight's not gonna break out where we are right now because the most basic levels the police will come you'll go to jail
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, as a policeman I learned that the police are very 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 limited in their ability to prevent solve follow up do anything but the most bare bones basic thing Mm
0: -hmm. hi Ann hey hi Ann
1: I just learned that like um there are no rules and that's both a like liberating and also discomforting
0: but it's also there's also something like the the law of the jungle in a way are you saying given people give, given people's druthers yeah we have this artificial foundation but giving people giving when the lights are out people are going to do what they're going to do
1: a lot of people will right not everybody right i'm uh, what I also learned was that the news is mostly full of shit,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that the news is usually untrue and not because the news is malicious, but because the truth is a really, really slippery thing and facts are easy to get wrong. I was in, involved in things that had news stories about them that were really inaccurate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I learned that. Um, so basically, I probably, I'm probably i very privileged. Um, to be alive today on the planet at this point in the history of humanity is a privilege for all of us, mm-hmm. uh, to have access medicine, to have parents who cared about me To, But, but also like there are a lot more people who don't have those things than do have those things. And I basically got to see what it was like to live in, um, Brooklyn, pardon me, as poor mm-hmm. as a person who's poor for real and not just like, um, Skimming the surface, mm-hmm. but like every night from 1130 to 730 a.m. 1130 p.m. to 730 a.m. Seeing really poor people deal with their situations and even those people are not too bad uh, In such a bad situation compared to really poor people mm-hmm. in the world But I got to see like the injustice
0: right that they go through daily Yeah, and and the, and, and how they and they're, they're uh Survival skills and what they have to do and how different it is than what we do.
1: Yeah Yeah It's a just a different and it, and it, it, it it definitely wears on you and I only did it for three years
0: I was I, I did something very very different than that but it was it was the, the same sort of mingling with those people when I was in Geese Theatre Company for prisons and doing improv in right. prisons for yeah. a year and you you immerse yourself in their life in order for you to understand what it is that they're going through. And again, I was a 25 year old Jewish guy who was able to go out and he was living, you know, I lived on a school bus and that was kind of primitive living, but I was able to go back to Chicago and live in my mom's house and deal with all those things. Right. But you really see a different universe, you see a different world. Mm-hmm. So when on the news you see somebody having a hard time, you go, Boy, there's just so much behind that hard time. And and especially now where like so many cops are being singled out for these abuses that we're watching on video. Mm -hmm. How do you look at those things? Like I get asked this a lot,
1: people ask. So you don't answer it? No, no. I I don't know. My answer has kind of evolved and it's also changed as I've seen like the abuses like so, if you would have asked me while I was a cop, or mm-hmm. or maybe a year after I had uh, resigned, I probably would have. Is that our time? Or are we out of time? No, that's just a thing. That's oh. my phone or something. Yeah, and that's time. Um, uh, was that your scene in Second City, or was that Colbert who Which was the, the, the therapist?
0: Uh, in the chair. Yeah. Oh, we're out of time. That was my Col- oh. my scene with Colbert. Oh, yeah. God, we know. are out of time. I'm aware of you, the time. I want to
1: see the notes you're writing about <laughs> exactly.
0: me. Exactly. <laughs> and it was just an it's empty like, plastic what about piece. my boyfriend? It's, you're gay? Right.
1: It's on, it's on <laughs> you different. should see a therapist. Yes. That was
0: great. <laughs> yeah, Doug. Yes, he, he Doug. Didn't, he didn't know my name. I
1: think I did that in an audition oh, yeah. to get into he, touring company.
0: Yeah, he didn't know my name. Um, uh, so you, you um, asked that, you to ask that question a lot and it's um,
1: involved. It's an impossible job. Right. And I used to say, hey, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened.
0: Right. Which um, seems to me to be uh, something that a lot of, uh, of of policemen would say or officers yeah. would say. I don't know. I wasn't yeah. there.
1: Um, I definitely understand. So, yeah, you need to see the whole tape and all that. But um, some cops, uh, just like in any business, there are some people who are incompetent. And incompetence at the post office is… Is annoying, but uh, incompetence in the police department is newsworthy and um, part of a f- uh, federal civil rights investigation. Right, not to diminish this or to um, explain it away as people being incompetent. There are structural problems that cause this, but the police are meeting this. They are not the entire structural problem. They're. Greeting an, a structural problem that has existed for a long time mm-hmm. between rich and poor, with, between racially segregated cities that have long histories, and so one cop entering into the situation. So when my police uh, precinct was the 70th precinct or the 70, and this is where Abner Louima was sodomized in the bathroom right. with a, a plunger handle. Late um, 80s. No, this was, uh, 90, no, so ninety-seven, ninety-six. Oh man. Okay. That so mm-hmm. I entered in at 2001 in June of 2001, mm-hmm. uh, and then was assigned. And there was, there was nine 11 while I was in the academy. And then I was, assigned.
0: was that, do I remember that right? That that was the first day that you were out of the academy or something? like No,
1: that? I was still in the academy. We were fi- It's first day of firearms training. We were learning how to shoot when mm-hmm. we saw in the distance, the smoke in the towers and we all told to put our guns in our holster and come back into the main auditorium where they pulled out this tv and we're out in a um uh city island and there was no tv reception Mm -hmm. the best we got was a really really fuzzy uh staticky spanish language channel so the guys who spoke spanish of which there were many were listening and translating for the rest of us and also like so we would have to be like we'd have to wait for like Oh, shit. And then lots of Spanish between the two of them or the three of them. And then they would, we'd be like, what is it, what is it, what is it? And they turn and tell us, it was a plane went right into the tower. Oh, there was another one. And we all run outside, and we saw in the distance another thing of smoke. And we're like, we're at war, OK? Uh, the, and then they called us into the auditorium again and said, OK, everybody, put your guns back in their boxes. We're collecting all your guns, because we weren't issued them yet, we were just got them for training. And you're going to be deployed. So you're going out onto the streets. We thought we were going out into the Bronx to prevent riots. Uh, that's what they told us, um, or to deal with riots. But it ended up just being going down to Ground Zero and doing a lot of like frozen zone perimeter traffic control. And then
0: did you have masks on? Oh, the whole
1: thing was a debacle. No, we didn't have masks. The whole, we were, I was down at Ground Zero for the first four days without a mask. No masks. And the masks that were there were the inadequate kind. Because who makes a World Trade Center attacked mask? (laughs) Not one. They do have like really intense masks, but they're super difficult to like have on for more than 45 minutes. Right, Uh, right, right. But we were doing like 20 or 22 hour shifts, sleeping at the police academy.
0: And you weren't married at this time?
1: No, we were Were you you and
0: Melanie a couple?
1: Yes. We were living together. We moved to New York together from LA.
0: right. Yes. Right. So looking at all that, there was, a, there was a time period where it was like, uh, you know, cops were seen as heroes and fire department were seen as sure. heroes. And now the fucking okay, pendulum. Okay, so yeah,
1: the, like the Avenue Louieman thing. Yes. I, that was my precinct and it was four years after that incident, but times were still tough. Right. The, the, uh, the, the, all the cops rallied around that guy and said he never did it and then it turned out he did it and all the cops were like, what, you did it? Are you kidding me? And a lot of the cops were like washed out of there and went other places. When you say
0: washed out of there, you're saying that administratively. Administratively
1: sent other precincts. Just to go. They broke up the team. Got it. Yeah. And then new cops came in. And I was like four years into after that, I was one of the new cops. So rookie cops there. Everybody was kind of watching their back because internal affairs was very interested in making the place an example of of uh cleaning the place up so right. everybody was Reform. on their toes and people they were very much interested in reforming and they also were like apparently some of the new cops occasionally were from internal affairs and they were really just what you would call a rat right looking to catch you doing something bad and make an example of you and doing something bad it's very hard to do the job without breaking a rule right right um and some of the rules you would break in order to do your job better right. um, or to do it faster and accomplish more and answer more calls. Um, it might be, mean sloppy paperwork, but right. it also could mean to not burn yourself out. You might linger at a call a little longer instead of going call to call to call to call. You might basically hold a job, it's called. Um, and then there are some rules that you really shouldn't break, like um, throwing evidence away. Or letting <laughs> right, a, right. Uh, letting a drunk driver off, right? Uh, or, uh, not, doing, not arresting someone in a must arrest domestic si- violence situation. Mm-hmm. Those are bad mistakes. Right. Okay. And then there are mistakes that are honest mistakes, like um, going to, like I remember going to a gun run, which is man with a gun reported at this pizza place. Uh, but we're also holding a, 30, uh, a, a, a 1034, uh, Assault in Progress, in your sector. So your responsibility is your sector, but you also have this gun run in the adjacent sector. It's dangerous, a gun run. 34s are usually unfounded. Let's go to the gun run and back up our buddies. And gun runs are a little more fun and guns are way more prestigious. So maybe you take a left and you go on your gun run instead of going for the, 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 uh, the you, 34 you, that you think might be BS. Got it. Uh, but you should But if you had mm-hmm. turned right instead of turned left, you maybe would have saved this grandfather from being, having the piss beat out of him in the vestibule of his building in front of his uh, grandchildren and ending up in the hospital. But you didn't get there in time. That happened to me. We didn't get there in time. Mm-hmm. We would have walked in on it. We would've caught the guy. But we went in looking for a gun, because we were crazy about trying to find guns. That's all we wanted. I, got a, I, got, I had two gun collars in my short time at the 70th precinct. One of them was really good. One of them was kind of like, not so great. It was just, he happened to also have a gun. and It was a very easy arrest. One was difficult. But, um, b- but those are like honest mistakes. Right. We got written up for it, and we were in trouble for it. But even our sergeant was like, it's an honest. Right. It's an honest mistake. Right, you it guys should have gone or- in here. Don't do it again. Make your sergeant look good. Mm-hmm. Please make it easy for me. I don't want to have to write these reports. Right,
0: it, right, and uh, and then ending up with every what you see in every television show is like come in my office.
1: Yeah, except the office was always outside, and it was you know when two police cars pull up next to each yeah. other and they're facing opposite directions. Yeah. that's usually either two cops shooting the shit or it's a sergeant and the the and his cops and he's. Supervising them right. and giving them information. So like, uh, or you know, and you're, you're in New York. This is another thing I learned. You know when there's a police car and it's, it's at a red light, it turns on its lights, goes through and turns its lights off? Yeah. Okay. Um, that is often a cop who is doing his job. He's not waiting at a red light, he, but he's got a slow job that doesn't need lights and sirens, but it might benefit from him moving a little bit faster because he wants to get through this like report of a past larceny he wants to take it because there's going to be an emergency call that he has to get to, so why not go through that line? So, right? is chill. anybody
0: bitching at a cop for going through a red line? Everybody.
1: But a cop going lights and sirens, blaring down the street, <laughs> whip, 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 right, whip, whip. Right. And everybody getting out of the way. That guy is late for lunch. <laughs> Trust me. Trust me. He's got to get to his meal location before meal starts because he wants the first hour. He wants the full hour. He doesn't want to get authorized to have his meal and then spend 15 minutes getting there. That's just giving money to the city.
0: <laughs> and then you leave this, you leave the coppery mm-hmm. and then you go, you leave the coppery and then the coppery, that's yeah, what we call it. Yeah, I'll them. call it the coppery. Say, right? <laughs> hey guys, listen. Uh, the coppery, which is also what the Where monkey is wearing. Is with the on boots, his, the his, boots. But you, you leave the coppery and and Police And department. all of these things and you say Fuck it all! I'm heading back to the improv world. No, I didn't. Oh my god! Writing. I got a job
1: right away writing for the Ali G show season two. How the fuck do you? But that was crazy, because Lisa Harrison is a great person, and she also happened to be an agent at the time, and she still is at Endeavor. William Morris Endeavor. Uh huh. Um,
0: And you? you, But that was a relationship that you held on to in
1: L.A. Well, she was my friend.
0: Right. Um, and she.
1: Called me and is like, hey, do you want to submit writing for this? Because uh, I told her, I think I did tell her, I was like, I want to write. I want to get a job. Oh, here's what happened. This is actually a story that involves the wonderful Stephen Colbert. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved The Daily Show. It was 2001.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: loved The Daily Show. Mm-hmm. I watched it all the time. I would write bits on the back of my memo pad uh Memo pad? Uh, that's, you know, that long, the, oh, the cops police, pad. the cops. Yeah, got notes. it. So you're still a so, cop and you're writing. Yeah, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, and I would come up with ideas for them and stuff. So finally I was like, i, I got to submit to it. So I wrote Colbert a letter and said, hey, uh, I used to do your roles in the touring company. But you knew him from um, Northwest. No.
0: Oh, you didn't? No. Okay. I had
1: met him in passing once. Got it. Um, uh, Northwest being second city yes. in Northwest. Yes, mm. where you were on stage. Yeah, in Arlington Heights. Yes, mm. and I was 16. Right. Tearing tickets. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes, you were, you, were our, you were our mascot.
1: I, that changed my life.
0: I know, I know.
1: Dave, you changed
0: my life. But also, you changed my life too, because here I am right now, at, you know, a, a major part of your uh, of So a, for listeners
1: listening, Dave changed my life more than I changed his <laughs> Dave was, so I went to Second City Northwest from my little house in Schaumburg, drove Mm -hmm. down Golf Road to the Arlington Heights to see an improv set, and in that set was you and Amy Sedaris. And Steve Carell, right. and John Rubano, and Kenny Hudson Campbell, and Fran Adams, and Claudia Smith, special,
0: and uh, was uh, 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 who was on was Joy uh, was Faith Faith, Faith Soloway. Soloway. yes, right. one of the famous Soloway sisters, yes. yes, what a fucking crew, man, yes.
1: So imagine being 16 and being like uh, growing up in Schomburg and then going and seeing that, right. and meeting you, right, and you were you treated me like an adult mm-hmm. and were kind to me. And just how you are today, mm-hmm. uh, and, and just how you've always been in my life. And you, you whisper, eh, take classes. You and Todd Stashwick. Right. Stashwick was there tearing tickets as well. Right. He was like a, a Hoffman Estates guy right. who was like, kid, kid, you're here every week. We've got to get you a job. Next week I'm there, somebody didn't show up, and Joyce was like, you're, t- you're tearing Joyce tickets. Joyce Sloan, on. the producer. Yes, producer Not Joyce. Cheryl. Cheryl Sloan. Cheryl Sloan was Daughter like, you're of the tearing. producer. You're tearing. You're you're gonna tear tickets today. House manager, whatever. So I would seat people and stuff and watch your show. You had four shows a weekend. Uh,
0: we had uh, yes, we had uh, Thursday Tuesday.
1: one, one Sunday, and Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Thursday,
0: two, two Friday, two, two Friday, Saturday, Friday. one yes. Sunday. Yes, I would go to every <coughs> single one. Yeah. and watch
1: the improv sets. Uh, and Thursday just, night,
0: Saturday night, Sunday night.
1: All I cared about was getting into Second City. Yeah, all I and you, I took classes with you for a year. Yeah. I think my level two, Steve Carell was my teacher. Yeah. But levels one, three, four, and five, I still have a videotape of my level one (laughs) show, with you introducing it. Um, And then uh, you were like, okay, you, Ed, come here. You you need to go to I.O. study Mm -hmm. with Dell," which I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, Based on your suggestion, I actually called Sharon, I'm like, Dave Rosowski said I should study. She goes, oh, you're gonna be great. If Dave said you're gonna be great, you're gonna be great like I don't know I could, and immediately Sharna was the same way to me she's like oh you're great you're in you're caring I'm yep. gonna put you on a team she has always been wonderfully kind to me and yep.
0: generous and, yep. that's and, the way I felt about yeah. it too and whenever she whenever she would get down on me um, whenever she would get down on me it would be I deserved it I, mm. I had it coming that's the way I felt about it like if she had something to say to me like she once kicked me off a team saying you used to be so good what the fuck happened I was wow. like I, I was kicked off a Harold team and she was absolutely right she was right, but we have these people in our lives that go, okay, we're gonna give you direction, but she never gave up on me. She fucking never, ever gave up on me. And I told her this in the podcast. Too. Yeah, Like what she, there's certain people that, that that like Cheryl Sloan is one, uh, 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 Sharna Halpin is another one. Of course, Joyce Sloan is another one. Sharna runs uh, IO in Chicago and IO West in LA. She changed fucking people's lives. Yeah, And I don't think that she's been given the kudos that she's fucking deserved.
1: Astonishing accomplishment.
0: Right. And anybody that's going to do something where, and I, you know, She again having that fucking vision and going what is it that I have to do? What is it not that I have to do what is it that I'm going to do? I'm going to do that Mm -hmm. and she went and made that fucking beautiful place which I haven't been to but she has made this beautiful place She has rewarded people who have been uh, uh, Loyal to her and 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 at the end of the day. I gotta tell you I feel like she always treated me fair She fucking does not owe me a motherfucking thing. Yeah, um, all right, the stories that we didn't finish, but let's stop there. Is that all right? Sure. Are you upset?
1: No. I don't, I don't know how to do a good podcast interview.
0: I'll stop there then. Ed, with all due respect, you do podcasts right. If this podcast was any indication. Thank you very much, Ed Herbstman. ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski also thanks my co-producer Laura Parker, my dear friend, musician extraordinaire Al Rose, who we mentioned on the Taylor story here, for our theme song, I Feel Like a Million Dollars, from Al's album, Sad Go Lucky, and we thank you, our listeners. If you liked our show, give us a positive note on iTunes, won't you? Do it. Well, do it right now. I'll wait. Okay. If you are interested in having me at your theater, your improv school, your corporate event, your baby christening, please drop me a line at dave at addcomedy.com. Thanks, and we'll hear you in our ears.